Tom, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Um, you're welcome anytime, but just before we welcome you properly, the BBC have changed their guidelines on social media use for their presenters. And um, Adam and I think it's only appropriate if we do the same thing because, you know, we're a big deal. We don't want any problems in the future. No, and that, should, that should be fine so long as you, you don't look on my social media. That, that's Yeah, well, on the bus on the way up here, the U1 with my prep, I was just having a look at a couple of, a couple of tweets uh, you may have made. Uh, yeah. And I just wanted to ask you mm-hmm. um, how you feel about these and um, just... In this environment, in this open space, you can justify, make some clarifications. I'd like to clarify these tweets, which I've definitely seen before and I'm not just being introduced <laughs> to just now. Yeah, and I've definitely not just made up. Okay, so, um, number one, you tweeted, quote, baked beans are the ultimate snack. How do you feel about that? I agree. Um, well, because I said it, obviously. And um, no, baked beans, ultimate snack. I mean, they're portable. They're already in a tin, which, by the way, is is like probably the most durable form of containment for any kind of, of foodstuffs. And um, I, I, I think that it's you can heat them, have them cold. Perfect. Honestly, amazing. No complaints there. I don't I disagree, but like, have you heard of like mini eggs? Yeah, I have. And you still pick baked beans? 100%. Uh, right. dis- uh, I'll dis- have to discuss with Adam whether that's going to be an issue or not, okay. but we shall see. Okay, uh, next one. Uh, the next tweet that I found that uh, is definitely on your Twitter is not saying he's a nice man, but Murdoch could win me over by improving his crosswords. Look, all I'm saying is that I might not necessarily agree with the content of the media which Rupert Murdoch provides, but I like a good crossword and... T- to be fair, it has been somewhat lacking recently. So all I'm saying is if instead of page three, you, want, you know, sexy girl, you wanted a sexy crossword, it's not something that I wouldn't not buy. And I, I, th- I think that as a society, we need to accept that. It's, it's a hot take, but I think, I think it isn't worthy of not letting you be a guest. So okay, thank you. That's okay. Thank you. Right. Final tweet that I found that I'm not sure how our listeners are going to feel about this. Um, the tweet was, the media hub is full of media slugs. Look, when I tweeted that, it was a different time. <laughs> I was a different person. And um, I've been having some difficulties with, with the media a lot. And, and I, I appreciate now that what I might have said in anger may not fully represent my views now. I am a changed man. Yeah. And I, I have adapted to the time. So I hope that you'll still allow so, me on your podcast. So you want to clarify on air that, you don't think the media hub is full of no, media absolutely. slugs. absolutely. And it, it was something said a long time ago and something I'm definitely regretful now. Uh, but if you did have to pick a media slug... Adam, Adam. It's Adam. <laughs> Adam. That is a disgrace. You're reassured, I'm reassured. Not another one. Mistakes were made. Peppa Pig world. Thinks he's Obi-Wan Kenobi. The truth is he's Jabba the Hutt. He lived rent-free in his bed. Tofu eating. Politics. I'm, I'm Adam. Um, I'm here with Emily. Hello. And wonderful. I know you haven't heard him yet, but this is an incredible man. I co-host another podcast with him. You do? I do. There's a podcast without There's me. A, oh, what? Uh, Tom. I know I'm involved, but Tom. Hello. This is Hello. the well, wonderful. Back to bomb. Yeah. No, that, that's the one. Um, Emily does actually do uh, admin for for bomb. <laughs> I booked well, so the probably. room. <laughs> it's because there was a spare microphone going, and they were just like, Tom, do you fancy coming on? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, there's actually a little bit of drama between these two because. 
at the within this is inter society things at University of Bath. Um, there's a competition for the funniest at Bath time, and it, the 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 nominations are. Emily versus Tom. It is. So but it's you, all love from my end. I, I don't mind. That's okay. You, the audience, can decide who is funnier on today's pod. And then well, I that think that's how they should decide the winner. Considering the fact we uh, we have just recorded that segment uh, with, yeah, with Derek. And we do not <laughs> speak. We do not speak. That I is try and make some jokes about penguins, but they were not. I, I, I try and lead on I, from spoiler it as well. Alert. Spoiler alert. I enjoyed the penguins. Um, yeah. yeah, so today, in today's show, it's America Week. This is why I'm so excited to be here today. Can you tell uh, in his voice? In, in about... 20 minutes, you're going to hear. Um, He's actually bouncing off the walls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding the mic, it's a lapel. Um, <laughs> uh, in about 20 minutes or so, you're going to hear Derek and basically my conversation about the American presidential race. We're going to talk uh, about Gary Lineker for 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> we're going to talk about Gary Lineker right now. Spoiler alert. Uh, and then also, to get to the news, we're going to talk about in a minute. We're going to talk about Gary Lineker, the BBC and as general, also a bit of strikes and also the fact that it's budget day. Happy. Budget day. Well, it, the day we're recording this is budget day. The day you're hearing this, the budget's happened, and the day you're hearing this will also be another week before we talk about the budget, because we're not talking about it until next week. Two days and a week so before budget day, after budget day. In nine days, we're going to talk about that budget. But for now, we're first of all, how's everyone doing? How's uni? Great. It's all right. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> to the BBC. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of a man called Gary Lineker. Also, fun fact, oh. over the weekend, Emily said, was Gary Lineker a footballer? <laughs> I didn't know he was a footballer. I knew he spoke about all things football, but I didn't realise he actually played She's gonna be like, the Who's Alan Shearer? Game. Um, no, I know. I, don't you dare, because this I David actually Beckham do know lot. Is he just a pants seller or did, did he do something yeah, else Yeah, I don't well? know. I don't no, know. he just sells pants and uh, musicals, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but I just want to say that Adam has been granted a special pass to talk about football this week. I'm not going to talk about football, really. It's about... Oh, wait, I can talk about football? Well, <laughs> let me talk about Brighton. No, um, so, Gary Lineker. Uh, the, this whole controversy started around the the refugee bill we were talking about last week, yes. where we are effectively taking away people's human rights and saying, nope, you cannot be a refugee, even though that's something that everyone has a right to claim. Uh, we can't test the validity of these claims until... Uh, they're in the country and they make a claim, but we're basically saying you can't make a claim. It's, it's, we talked about it on last week's show, I think it's absolutely outrageous. Uh, and so does Gary Lineker. So he tweeted, <laughs> he compared the illegal migration bill to the Nazis, um, the, and he said the language in the plan is not dissimilar to that of Germany in the 1930s. Uh, the BBC then told him to retract these comments on air on Match of the Day, obviously the Premier League a recap show, which is one of the most popular outputs on the BBC. The reason that Gary Lineker's paid so much to, to present it is because it's, it's, it draws a lot of eyeballs. Um, <laughs> draws a lot. I'm just imagining them all sitting there just drawing <laughs> eyes. <laughs> like, oh, Ian, yours is uh, very round today. <laughs> that is a niche joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the actual tweet was, this is just an immeasurably cruel policy directed at the most vulnerable people in, in language that is not too dissimilar to that used by Germany in the 1930s. And I'm out of order, question mark. Um, so the Conservative Party chairman, Lee Anderson, said Lineker was out of touch and should stick to football. Someone from the Conservative Party claiming someone else is out of touch is, is quite Phenomenal. Also, man called, also Lee Anderson, the man who we talked about a few weeks yeah, ago, he, being he pro-beating children yeah. in death penalty. Um, uh, Gary Lineker refused to take back his comments, uh, which led to a bit of a media spiral over the weekend with all other potential hosts dropping out, including the 
wonderful Ian Wright and I've put in the notes I fucking love Ian Wright and I do fucking love he Ian Wright. He is a legend. Have you seen him on I'm a Celebrity when he's like drinking the smoothie of pig's penis and it's just like coming out of his mouth and he just looks really sad. I haven't seen I w- that. I will no. tweet I'm out not the sure I want, it's hilarious. I'm not sure I want the image of that in my head but and also Alan Shearer and Alex Scott among all the other potential hosts and it ended up being a 20 minute just just the highlights of the games not. As it um, should be. Which can I just side point just you've given that. me a pass about football I oh. will do very briefly. Ooh. Brighton games are always at three o'clock on Saturdays, basically, and Brighton are my team, right? It's, I can never watch. Tom has his head in his hands. <laughs> I can never watch my Brighton Bless games. Bless you. Maybe you should support a, be- I- a better team then. <sighs> we'll fight you. We are seventh <laughs> right now in the Premier League, um, but I can never get to watch the game. So, match of the day is a ritual for me. I get to watch my boys potentially, hopefully, winning games. Um, but this week, you know what? Out of, out of solidarity with Mr. Lenica, I didn't, I didn't watch it. So, but. You know, on the serious bit of this, wow. it's, it's a very serious the struggle you've gone through. Thank you. I thought it you was. Didn't difficult. watch match of the day. I didn't. Bloody hell! I just watched revolutionary. I support, I support Gary Lineker every week for the whole of my life. <laughs> then by not watching. No, match you of the should day watch ever. this Saturday, not last Saturday, if you want to support him. Anyway, to get to the serious politics of it, what does this say about the the, the kind of the BBC have a? It's actually kind of colloquially in the BBC called a Lineker clause, which is that key hosts who are not politi- political hosts, like Gary Lineker, obviously does the football, uh, are not allowed to express certain views on air because he. Has has such a large platform and he has a role in obviously the BBC's role is to be impartial uh, and when covering these kind of things and criticising the government openly would not be seen as impartial there's a difference here though and I would argue there's a massive difference in that he is a private individual as well he's allowed to have certain views and his Twitter is not the same as match of the day lots of people are not on Twitter who don't pay attention to him also he hosts the football on the football show he doesn't talk about politics he talks about football he talks about analysis of the games so I think he has talked about politics before before, like in the World Cup, no, for sure. At and the there's beginning a, and of this the World is, Cup, this so is the interesting thing about the it. opening ceremony and because the World Cup was the most corrupt ever. And yeah, he, and, and so he's allowed was to do that. It. But as soon as he criticizes the current government, yeah, then yeah. he gets into all this trouble. And first, like I, I think that the neutrality of the BBC, like the, the whole remit, is sacrament. I think that mm. is it. It's it should be. That's the that's and if it the isn't that, is. there's and no point in it existing. No, absolutely. But yes, there is. They produce Call the Midwife, like. That's all we need. It's probably the most mid show. Wow, <laughs> Tom! I thought we were friends. Drama. We Apparently over not. Fudge I and you don't like call the midwife. Oh no! I, I, uh, drama. No, um, it is a drama. It's not exactly it's saying good. anything, though, is it? No. Um, Are you joking me? Have you watched Call the Midwife? I feel like we're getting Christmas special. Oh, getting, okay. We're getting off topic. You've got to remember, this is the first bit of the pod everyone's hearing. Oh, sorry, everyone. This is freedom of speech and call the midwife. Yeah. No, but I, I think that. Um, no, I agree. Uh, Twitter is an interesting one because at the end of the day, it is essentially just a mouthpiece for private individuals. Mm. But equally, in saying that, what, what is telly if not that as well? It is a form of media in production. It, he is, whether he likes it or not, um, and I don't necessarily agree with this, it's just, this is just yeah, the, yeah. the point of opinion that they're trying to push uh, across, is essentially he has paid a shit ton by the BBC. That um, is the technical term. It is the, te- the technical term. Shit ton. Yeah. I, 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 I when they announce how much they pay everyone, it's, it's just Gary shit. Lineker, it's shit ton. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, no, and, and essentially anything that he produces does reflect on them because he is mm. inexorably linked yeah. to Match of the Day and anything BBC Sport produce. And he does have some kind of responsibility to maintain a new- neutrality, yeah. especially on um, something so politically charged as this. I, I do actually have a hot take. Oh, okay. I don't have the thing. alarm ready, but... 
Um, I can do the alarm. Hot take. So here it is. I think it's very lazy to just keep calling people Nazis all the time. Like, what about the other far right regimes? Like, where's Franco? Where's Mussolini? There is a difference, and I like. I to be honest, I don't know if I agree with the actual tweet itself because I think it's it's a bit too simplistic in yeah. that because everyone's favourite thing to do is go you're a Nazi yeah. anytime you like mention and the thing Nazis, is yeah. I think it reduces argument. actually the validity and the, the claims yeah. of genuine Nazis because they do exist and they're yeah. still out there and they are existing yeah. in the world I don't think that this is a Nazi policy but it's abhorrent it's awful it's just not the same thing one. As <laughs> Should I go find a Nazi? We can ask them, how do you feel about this? And then we'll come back to you as to whether it is a Nazi <laughs> policy or not. <laughs> I don't know how to continue from that. No, I don't know. Um, it continues. The, it continues with this. The, the BBC has had a good week last week as well. So obviously, there's this. And all I should mention, the dust up has been is kind of sorted out. Uh, the Gallenica will yeah, host they do? They on this Saturday. There's an agreement they were like, reached. It's um, fine. Yeah, exactly. They've they've agreed that he'll he'll host again on Saturday, and everyone everyone in Ian Wright's back, Alan Shearer, they're all they're all. They back made all on. this fuss, and then we're like, actually, no, it's okay. Yeah, like, exactly, and he doesn't have to apologise for his back. tweets. And I think it's because of the solidarity that everyone seems to show, yeah. that everyone seems to support him in that. And it was the thing that annoyed me about it a little bit. And we're going to talk about the wider BBC problem as a whole. Is that everyone's about Gary Lineker and yeah. what he thinks, as opposed to the thing that he was talking about. And if even yeah. if you don't disagree with the text of his tweet. The and I'm not sure I do. The uh, the asylum policy that the government are pushing, as we mentioned in last week's pod, is genuinely abhorrent, and it's yeah. the one of the most disgusting things that any government I've seen in my lifetime do. And I'm including Trump's travel ban in that. Like the the way that we are systematically um, taking away people's rights, the most desperate people. For example, I was listening to a podcast called Oh God, What Now, which, full disclosure, I'll be working on next year. Um, yeah, they, you will. They were talking, and one of the guests got really, really um, upset, and the so just took this example I was listening to this and I genuinely like it really upset me just kind of it's a it's an anecdote but it, it's a the real situation so the women in Iran right now who are trying to protest the regime Masa Amini was beaten to death by the kind of the morality police because she wasn't wearing a hijab in the right way people coming from Iran to to women coming from Iran who just want to live a free life well, there is no way in. There is no safe legal route into the UK. They cannot apply for asylum outside the UK. The only place they can apply for asylum is from within the UK. They cannot get here any other way by getting on a small boat or getting into the back of a lorry and trying to get into the UK. And then they try and make an asylum claim saying, I will be murdered if I get sent back to Iran. And we will not give them that chance. We will send them back and we will... like. At, the, at some point, it is just murder. We are sending them back to a place where they will die. And there are so many stories of people who were deported, who were fleeing people, who were seeking asylum. We sent them back, and they were killed. And this is what we're enabling with this policy, and it is fucking atrocious. And the, the bit that pisses me off about this Gary Lineker thing is that that context gets taken away from yeah. it. It's all about football. It's yeah. about match of the day. And whether Gary Lineker should be allowed to exactly. say Exactly. The policy is abhorrent, and he, should, and he has a right to say what he wants about the policy. And the fact that he's trying to provide a spotlight to it, and the spotlight's gone onto the wrong thing, is fundamentally frustrating to me. But wider, we can talk about the BBC now, because as I said, they haven't had a good week. So there's a couple of other controversies last week. Um, the BBC Cut said that they were going to cut the last episode of David Attenborough's new documentary on the British Isles. Um, the episode was focused on the impacts of climate change on the, on the UK and the islands of the UK. They said the, the episode will be up on the iPlayer, but it will not be broadcast on BBC One. And they said they're doing this because they're worried about backlash. And... We had snow last week, like, 
if people aren't, if people haven't realised that the climate is changing now, like... And this is the thing about the partiality, that yeah. climate change is not a bipartisan yeah. issue. Climate change is happening. The science says it is. We know it's happening. It's not about backlash. It's not, like, this is just happening. And, and what we need is these kind of documentaries talking more about the impacts of climate change. And one of the most trusted voices on any issue is David Attenborough talking about these issues. And when he gave those speeches to COP, he's one of the most powerful orators yeah. for these issues. And the fact the BBC are like, no, we're not going to broadcast your episode because we're worried about backlash. It feeds into this narrative, which we're going to try and unravel a little bit about how kind of right-wing the BBC is becoming a little bit here. And Emily Maitlis, a former BBC news journalist, was saying that it's been infiltrated by these people who are kind of shifting its impartiality to the right. And the fact that we're making climate change a political issue and the BBC is making climate change a political issue is also abhorrent because it's not. That's just facts. Yeah. Climate change is happening. You can disagree politically about what we should do about it, I guess, even though there's obvious correct answers and wrong answers. But the fact that it's happening isn't up for debate. It is. And this documentary was showing that. And in fact, the fact that they're cutting it as an opportunity to like to try to avoid the backlash, this is this is probably what people need to be seeing. If these people don't think it's happening, a documentary where we're showing the impacts of it on literally the islands of the UK is probably exactly what people need to be watching and the people who are going to be angry about it need to see. It's yeah, it's it's really easy to show something on British telly, uh, such as climate change, which, by the way, uh, was a focus group term uh, used by the uh, Bush and Cheney presidency. Um, Ooh, look at that knowledge! Uh, I know because it sounded a little bit more consumer friendly. Wow! Instead of global warming, yeah, that's amazing. So climate change is that, that's what. So that we call it climate from. change because it's like because of that. Groups. Yeah, wow. it's because it was a push from American media. That's amazing. So, but, but when it's somewhere else and it's affecting somewhere, I'm like, oh, that's a shame. The, the yeah. ice caps are melting. It's just climate change. It's like, oh, but it when we're happens. literally losing a species a day in the UK mm. due to it, it it's. It's kind of a tough pill to swallow that the BBC won't show that. I think with with um, global warming, see there you go, breaking, yeah, breaking it. Um, is uh, there's there's this idea of a hyper object, which is something which is so vast and so like all encompassing, uh, encompassing. Sorry, so that it's really difficult to nail down one thing because global warming has so much impact on so many things. It's very difficult to point to something and say that that's what we need to be doing, mm. even though it's objectively right. It's you know it, it's this thing which is happening and will kill us at some point. But the, the thing is, it's not some event which is going to hit us in the future yeah it's it, not it's not a day it's like it, 20th of may it's not the day after tomorrow exactly <laughs> there's not going to be some if you've ever seen uh, don't look up as well like the, the massive meteor strike yeah. which which is happening whichever it's happening it's happened we should have turned off with i think the best thing i heard was um from uh the newsroom uh which was essentially that they got climate scientists on and said we are in a garage with a car with the engine on that we should have turned off 30 years ago mm. We, we're going to slowly choke to yeah, death. Exactly. And in not showing that, in not having this, or in just in general, just having, uh, showing a way which climate change is essentially like, you know, can be antagonized and there are people who will backlash against something which is just objectively happening yeah. is essentially like turning off the news. It's 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 the fact that it's the BBC's role to, in the, their remit is to inform, educate and entertain. Mm. Number one is inform, number two is educate. 
they're not informing of people of they're, they're trying to like and they're not educating people of of the fact that this is happening and like I, it's uh, absolutely disgusting and there's there's that's not the end of it there's more the controversies they are providing that with oh, d- oh, the midwives <laughs> <laughs> um, like the penguins jumping on the rocks <laughs> 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 that is entertaining to be yeah. fair um, another scandal that happened last week is on question time Fiona Bruce um, she on the last episode of question time uh, we talked about this a bit last week so uh, Boris Johnson is trying to get his father Stanley Johnson a knighthood uh, uh, and he tried to in his, in his New Year's honours list I think it was a news honours list so he's, either way he's trying to get his dad a knighthood um, Stanley Johnson is accused of um, beating his wife uh, and breaking her nose right. and someone on question time pointed this out and Fiona Bruce said um, calling, called it a one-off basically she was like that was one incident and it was a one-off and also you should fucking hope so like <laughs> well it shouldn't even be a one-off it should be a yeah. never-off because you shouldn't be breaking anyone's nose let alone your wife like but also like the f- just, like just kind of <laughs> The belittling of domestic abuse. Yeah, like, oh, it's a one-off. Like, well, no, it shouldn't have happened at all. It's absolutely disgusting. And the fact that she was like, yeah, and uh, it's a one-off. It was, you know, it's happened once. And it's kind of like trying to defend this man's character to the, the, you know, quite a big national audience. It's quite a flagship political show. Mm. And, And she's like, yeah, you know what, Stanley Johnson... He only beat his wife, broke her nose once, you know? Come on, give yeah. him a chance. Like, what the fuck? Genuinely, what I, the I, fuck? I think it takes at least three, like, broken To become domestic abuse. For it to be a problem. <laughs> no, they say nepotism's not dead. Exactly. <laughs> uh, really so weird. one of the reasons, now, there's, there's the three scandals from the last week, and there might have been another one by the time you're hearing this, but we're recording on Wednesday. Um, if so they cancel Call the Midwife, we're going to have to re-record. Like, yeah, we'll re-record. We just there's a whole, whole scandal. show about that. No, there's another so, two series, um, don't you worry. Excellent. We're all really worried. <laughs> Um, so the reason that there, one of the reasons there could be this controversy is that Richard Sharp is the BBC chair as of this recording. I've put that in there because he's under immense pressure right now because of the Gary Lineker thing over the weekend. Uh, so he might have stepped down over this uh, over this controversy, which I, I think he, on opinion show, I think he should. Will he? Don't, don't think, think so, because mm-hmm. he didn't have to. Um, so Richard Sharp uh, helped Boris secure an £800,000 loan, which Boris Johnson failed to declare, and then Boris Johnson recommended him for the role of BBC chair. BBC chair role is appointed by the King and Council on the advice of the Secretary of State. The chair is supposed to maintain the independence of the BBC. Then the chairman leads the process for appointing the director general and can dismiss the director general. So the BBC is quite a complicated organisation. We're not going to go into all of how it works, but he's a very influential man in it. And the fact that Boris Johnson kind of nominated him for the role and said, well, like, this is a guy who's a good choice, will have massively helped him in getting that role, even though it's not a direct prime ministerial appointment like putting someone in the Lords is, for example. Um, so more about Richard Sharp. He worked for more than 30 years in the financial sector, including a 23-year stint at Goldman Sachs, where he was mentored by one... Rishi Sunak. Um, he sits on the board of the Centre for Policy Studies, which is a think tank founded by Thatcher in the 1970s. Uh, he's a long-time Conservative donor and sat on Johnson's board of economic advisors when he was London mayor. So he's not exactly... Basically, he's associated himself with all the... The top-tier the Conservatives. Top-tier it's, yeah, I mean... That's realistic. quite the squad of friends. It is. It is. His it's LinkedIn. His connections <laughs> on LinkedIn. Oh fucking my God. Out. But, uh, I mean, realistically, that it just should not matter. Like, the, again, it, it, it harks back to, to, to Lineker as well. It's like he's a private individual. He's allowed to think what he likes, essentially, as long as it doesn't impact the impartiality of his work. When he's getting funded by and yeah. appointed by, that's where the issues start. And his job is to maintain independence of the BBC. Precisely. And Miss mm. Man is ad hoc to all of these individuals yeah. who 
like you know the the the, the Conservative Party is systematically trying to dismantle the BBC. Mm. They're like they're cutting the license fees. They're trying to like they're trying to push people towards these more right wing channels to that kind of echo their viewpoints more. And but also, also they were trying to get rid of Channel Four as well by mm. privatizing Private that. So that because Channel Four like openly criticised the government on quite a lot of shows. See like Gogglebox and even just things like that. Yeah. And. Nadine Dorries was like, you're, you're criticising. Whoa, Nadine Dorries in the room? <laughs> <laughs> you're criticising Boris Johnson, who I, who I love so much and I want to marry, and so I'm going to privatise you. And it's just like another example of, of the Conservatives trying to kind of control the media um, and push a narrative that they are good people when... It's more complicated. It's like yeah. it's the, it's the, the, the BBC is supposed to be independent, and the people at the top of the BBC, obviously, there is no such thing as unbiased because every single human being has bias. The best way to counter it is to get lots of different viewpoints and make people agree, consensus. And this isn't, isn't a new thing to try and influence the BBC. Like Blair was notorious for yeah. it as well, as well pushing um, for his third wave politics and um, for, for New Labour. But um, yeah, it, it, it's when you start. I, I think this is probably. When conversations like this, and uh, you, you know, essentially it c comes out and it is talked about, is probably the best way forward because mm. yes, no, that like these scandals happen like all the time. But as long as we hold them to account yeah. and as as we make sure that we we know what we're doing, we we can essentially you know maintain our BBC, which is really important. No, I <laughs> like genuinely. I this is quite depressing because I fucking love the BBC. Yeah, we we actually we're big fans of the BBC, and if they want to put this podcast on, on BBC Sounds oh and <laughs> hire us. That'd be um, great. Oh, put uh, Emily on uh, Sharp, Call the Midwife. Uh, we'll, we'll retract everything we've said about you if you want us to. <laughs> but the thing is, we shouldn't have to retract everything we said about you. Oh, exactly. It's important. supposed to be uh, okay, independent. Right, Adam won't retract, but I definitely won't. <laughs> For the right prize. Um, so that's the kind of BBC controversies and stuff. And again, by the time you're hearing this, Richard Sharp might have stepped down. I don't think uh, so. Galenica could not be on air on Saturday, which is very sad for me because, again, I want to watch the Brighton games. But, um, oh, bless you. Get Life's a, a struggle, hobby. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like... Um, he right. does have a hobby and it's podcasting. <laughs> Speaking of getting hobbies, our lecturers are because they're back on strike. Ooh. Do you write the transition? What do you write the transition? Uh, I'm giving that a three okay. out of ten. Okay. Yeah, segue was. I'll, try, I'll, do, yeah. I'll do better Wait, next Tom, time. Tom, could you do a better segue? Yeah, try and connect BBC to the strikes. Go. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, no worries. Um, yes, yeah, so we've been having some issues with match of the day, but now you need to. Match <laughs> your day with the strike timetables because the lecturer is striking. Hey. <laughs> yes, so the UCU are back on strike. In fact, they've dropped a surprise strike, like a ah. like a like a new album just dropped, and it's a strike Bam. on a just Wednesday. Little EP. Right so little Doctor Moon is like strike day. Um, well, they're, they're striking for the same reasons that we talked about before yeah, on the pod. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and also we had an interview with Doctor Moon with a bit of me channel back underneath the it. Uh, <laughs> if you want to listen to that, it's in our podcast feed and on YouTube. Um, so. The other thing that's who's on strike, I mean, the junior doctors. And I mean, I watched last year on the BBC, one of the reasons it's such a good in, in institution is um, I watched This Is Gonna Hurt. Uh, you love that show. Brilliant that is it is really good. The book is fantastic. The show is amazing. And just the fact that like I have never felt, obviously, I think we all know how incredibly hard doctors work and junior yeah. doctors and nurses and midwives, everyone in the industry worked incredibly hard and the stress they must be under, the life under decisions. But then seeing it, and obviously it's a dramatized version, it's and not it's real life. Like 15 That's from years 2006 ago. when yeah. the NHS was better funded than it is now. Just genuinely how 
incredibly harrowing and powerful and it affected me and I just like the the way that these doctors are being treated now and the way that we're expected to do these jobs and the reason and the NHS so many backlogs because of COVID and also because I'm a staff and funded but so there's been research that's found that junior doctors suffer panic attacks and feelings of desperation because they get so stressed from the pressure they're under at work research found that 78% of junior doctors had felt unwell in the previous year because of work related stress and 51% said their desire to work in the NHS for the next year was very very low so one of the issues we've talked about before on this podcast is um, one of the issues with NHS and staff numbers is not that we're not getting enough doctors it's that we can't keep them working because they all retire and yeah. leave because and that in fact speaking of this is going to hurt the author Adam Kay he now left comedian, yeah. now comedian he left the doctoring because of the stress yeah. and he couldn't keep doing it and he in, in, in both of his books he writes about how he left the profession because yeah. of incidents and I don't want to sp- like spoil the book they're excellent you should go and buy them and read them um, and this is the problem we, we can't keep these doctors working in these positions because the job is incredibly fucking hard and as someone who's never done anything like that you know like I couldn't imagine it I my finger was bleeding the other day and I put a plaster on it and that was too much for me so <laughs> I, d- I don't know how they cope and they don't that that's the part. that's what well yeah learn. apparently that yeah this it hurts and i think um it's very easy to 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 think macro term with with strike action and stuff like that and um it's annoying it's really irritating i hate that my lectures are striking i, I i've done the the oh my god i'm paying god knows how many yeah, grand a year for this but then yeah you you read stuff like this and on an individual level, at least, it's we're never blaming them. Um, you know, it, it's junior doctors. It was stuff like um, it's going to hurt, but then also you think lawyers at the moment as well. Yeah. With um, so if you ever get the chance to read Secret Barrister as well, amazing book, um, which just shows you how broke our justice system is as well. There's an amazing book called Blue, uh, which is uh, by a uh, police negotiator. Should we just rebrand the podcast? It's like a book. Uh, uh, just a book review. I'm happy to do this. I'm trying to get a... a (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah. To try and push as many as possible. Book deal more in a minute. You can uh, write book reviews for Bath Time as well if you want. Oh, maybe I should do... Maybe I'll read that out on Bath Bomb. Listen to Bath Bomb. My point being... I do admin. ...that these people are essentially in this job and expected to remain there just because of goodwill under exceptionally stressful environment which is nothing something nobody should be doing we should be paying these people millions we should be paying teachers millions you know they have to deal with kids (laughs) (laughs) fucking children I know (laughs) and also like it's just you've got to remember what a strike involves a strike involves not being paid for the day, so mm. these people are getting underpaid, and they they found with the recent with with the with the lack of investment into these industries over the last thirteen years of Tory government, and also before, you know, the NHS is not a Tory problem. It's become much, much, much worse because of the current government and the previous five we've had five governments in thirteen years. Um, but it's it's been made much, much worse by these people, and the one of the like they found that baristas get paid more per hour than yeah. these than these NHS Brett doctors. Baristas, which Good for prep, but also like terrible for the NHS. Like yeah. genuinely, yeah. how the are these people between being? nice uh, ice latte as uh, Emily enjoyed yeah. this morning, and then you know dealing with someone's fractured arm? No, exactly. Yeah, I mean, no offense, Emily, and uh, no, I'm sure fine. there is a technical <laughs> element to there your. There is. They put the milk. They put the ice. They, they put do, the and, they, and then they. Shout. I had to do the straw this morning. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I didn't even do the straw for you. I really pulled the short straw. This <laughs> is the world we live in. This is where we live in. Exactly. <laughs> Emily has to do her own and straw. These, so these people are getting paid below barista wages, the and they are, and they and they are submitting and not getting paid for yeah. a day. 
even in those circumstances because it's so bad. And again, the Royal College of Nursing, we've talked about this before, have never stroked before. This is a, this is unprecedented mm. for them. And they, because they, I, you know, these people are the best of us. They care about people to an extent that, like, just the, the kind of empathy you have to have for human beings to be able to do this job is insane. So it's not because they don't, it's not because they, they no one gets into the NHS to, for the money obviously. obviously you do it because you're an incredible person yeah. and you want to take care of people and the fact that these people the, the best of our society are the ones who are systematically getting fucked the most yeah. is is it's like it just it, i think it adds to this kind of element of it all feels a bit fucking broken right now and i just yeah. we need something to change you you'd think that people uh, or at least a certain government would maybe think that Oh God! So many people are going on strike. You know, God, it's, it's these bloody socialists. <laughs> and firstly, most of them guaranteed are not. Yeah. Um, and, and secondly, it's if so many people are going on strike, so yeah. many unions, so many different. Do you think that maybe yeah, you the might common be denominator the here is yeah, is yeah, exactly. And the thing is, the government. This, if you want to be a cynic about this, and I do, so I'm going to run with me here for Adam a minute. Adam wants to be a cynic. One of the one of the reasons. One of the He's reasons. He's so happy all the time. <laughs> one of the reasons for this is because the government. Believe, like if you're a right wing person, you believe you don't really believe in kind of state funded things. You don't yeah. believe in like a welfare state and stuff like that. So the current health secretary it doesn't want to engage with these strikes. He's not going to negotiate a pay deal. He's just said that they'll, he's happy to give a one off payment to these. Who to is these the current people. health secretary? I think secretary. it's Steve Barkley. Um, he's um, fact check that, but I think it's Steve Barkley. He said he's happy to give a one off payment and 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 like a small inf- increase in their pay next year. Is it Steve Barkley? It is, it is Steve, Steve Barkley. Barkley. That's this that's is why. Amazing. But their pay. Um, it's been ridiculous. No, exactly. It's, it's a massive, massive amount. So they're asking for 20% increase because they've lost about 20% over the last few years. And also they deserve more than that anyway. Yeah. Um, and But he's refusing to because the thing is that this incentivizes people to go to more private health care. The problem is that because people are paying for private health care, these people then... That, that's where the money goes. There's no money in the yeah. NHS because they're, they're systematically cutting the money uh, and the, how much funding the NHS gets. And it's also, we've said before, it's not a problem you just throw money at. It's to do with management, organisation. The NHS is so big and so broad that it's hard to fund an organisation this well. Like, it takes out quite a lot of what we what we input as tax money. Take, it gets quite a lot, but... I think it's the biggest it's just not. I think it's it? like 40 or something. It's a massive, massive amount of how much we spend as a, as a country. But the problem is it's still not working because it's one of the most successful it's a victim of its own success it's 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 so successful in, in providing this health care for people that it like we just need to keep funding it more and more and more and i don't know i think maybe as a socialist it this is one of the things that we should be putting all of our money towards the fact that we believe hum- health care is a human right and taking care of people and these people who look after us deserve to be paid better than they're being paid at the moment I, and that we and should I don't put even think that should it. be necessarily an ism issue um mm. I, I don't think it's necessarily socialist of you to um to say um you know we should look after people we should <laughs> are you telling me that's not a political <laughs> yeah. issue because it seems to be at the yeah, moment well yeah let's I mean, kick those refugees out stop paying nurses this is what the conservatives want to do but also ultimately pay gary lineker millions of pounds mm. to just be like and talk about a Brighton. man kicked a ball today hey I could Wh- do that. When oh. that man is Karen Matoma, I'm a fan. <laughs> I don't know who that I is. I don't understand. No, Brighton, that went well over Brighton my head. number 22 left winger, absolute right. steal. Okay. But yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's a whole nother point. That like, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the kind of last one I'm going to touch on today is there's big news about money, talking about kind of the economy and funding yes, the NHS. Please. It is the budget day today, um, but we are recording this 
it's currently 11.36 yeah. on Wednesday morning. Uh, the budget will come out this afternoon. We are not going to be able to record about the budget until next Wednesday, so you, we will talk we'll about it. We'll let the news come out, let it simmer down, and then I'll come exactly. at you with some economic Emily's gonna fun facts. Emily's going to come at you with ah, some economics. Like ah, <laughs> <just> <laughs> Prepare yourselves. It could come at any time, exactly. but it will As be next Friday. It will be next Friday at 11. 11. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, but... 11.30 next Friday. 11 next Friday. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about next week. Um, is we uh, Anything we're expecting? Emily, do you want to give us some predictions as our economic, ah, economist? Uh, okay, so it's Jeremy Hunt, so it probably won't be that radical because um, Kwasi Kwarteng is not involved. There's um, stuff about uh, childcare that's coming out um, and how they're going to extend, I think, something to do with free childcare. I don't really know. There's also going to be stuff about pensions, everyone's favorite topic. Um, and yeah, I think most things will probably stay the same because of course, like quasi quarting calls cut because <laughs> because of it's technical term. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think most things will probably stay the same because quasi quarting calls such a commotion. Let's put that a quasi-motion. Um, a, a quasi-motion. Quasi-motion. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a really good song. <laughs> um, there is a song that goes "Come on, everybody." That's the locomotion, not uh, the quasi-motion. Anyway, so the quasi motion <laughs> was that what we called it? I can't remember. Yes, Basically, yep. I don't think anything that exciting is going to happen. So look forward to next week's pod we'll where talk we talk. Emily just says nothing exciting happened. Yeah. Okay, so next we're going to talk to Derek Bolton about um, the presidential race, and then after that we have a game, and uh, we hope you stay because our attention statistics yes. show that. Now, the thing is, listener, dear, dear, dear listener. Okay, and the thing is, you if you're listening, you know me in person or Emily. Or Tom, actually, or Tom. if you're or yeah, Tom, exactly. bring any friends. Or, or maybe, Samaya, maybe, quite a lot of Samaya's. Yeah, exactly. So you, you know, you know me, right? And I can see when you stop listening. Yeah, and the rude. depressing thing is, quite a few of you stop listening after five minutes. And <laughs> I put a lot of work into this. It's just for the this. cold opening. Emily puts a lot of work. Maybe into this. you should start like promising incentives like halfway through. If you the listen, there's a there will be. Adam's going to say his pin number at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to all the podcasts and you'll be able to collect his cards. Yes, and also, <laughs> can, we, can we just take a second to appreciate this is our 10th episode. <gasps> yeah. So we've, we've, we've hit the big double digits. The one O. Um, so... Welcome back to Any Politics. I'm Emily. I'm still here, and um, <laughs> she hasn't gone anywhere. Much to everyone's dismay, and um, I'm also still here with Tom. Do you want to confirm you're still here? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> nodding. Nodding doesn't work in this audio <laughs> yes. medium. And Adam's still here as well. Hello. Everyone. But we also have a very, very special guest uh, in the form to of give some uh, credibility to our work. Here, yeah. <laughs> in the form of Derek Bolton. Hello. How Hello, you? I'm very good. How are you? Uh, oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I'm, I'm great. Um, who are you? <laughs> Why are you here? I am the uh, the resident American whose accent you so sorely needed for this topic. Credibility on it. No, I am a, uh, a lecturer in the department. Uh, so most of my studies is in foreign policy analysis, international relations, and security. Uh, but then I also do a lot of the lecturing on U.S. foreign policy, American domestic politics. So certainly I am uh, uh, well versed in the in the topic at hand. Time. So it's America Week, my my favorite week. I've decided it's America Week, and we're now going to jump into American politics. So it's the American century, exactly. Well, 
Talks about that Adam a little bit. So there is a currently a presidential race happening. And you're probably thinking, wasn't there just a midterms? And if you are thinking that, I don't know why you listen to this podcast because you seem to know everything already. Um, <laughs> So the presidential race in 2024, obviously you've got incumbent President Joe Biden, we're going to talk about him in a minute, but you've got some Republican nominations coming up, and Republican Party is the Donald Trump's party. So there's a currently two announcements for president. There's a Nikki Haley, who's a former Car- South Carolina governor who served as Trump's ambassador to the UN. If she won the nomination, she'd be the first woman and first Asian-American GOP presidential candidate, um, in case you start to like her too much. She campaigned with pro-Trump candidates who questioned and or denied the results of the 2020 election. Uh, and she's, you know, she's still a Republican in, on this opinion show. Mm. Not a big fan. Obviously, the other main candidate is Donald Trump, who announced in mid-November, declaring the comeback starts now. The first couple of weeks of his campaign, he was dining with Nazis and Kanye West, which we've talked about on a previous show, which you can listen to that discussion um, if you want to listen back to that. Trump is the obvious favourite. His platform is light on policy so far and heavy on cultural issues. He obviously believes he won the 2020 election, uh, and he believe his new policy he keeps talking about is executing drug dealers and is for further restrictions of voting because he thinks I, he won the last I election. I feel like that sentence in the notes where it says light on policies, heavy on culture war issues just kind of summarises yeah, politics at the moment. that's very much a right-wing um, kind of mentality at the moment. But yeah, so he's coming back or he's trying to have a comeback. But the big challenger who hasn't actually announced at the moment is Ron DeSantis, the current Florida governor. Uh, as Ryan, uh, Donald Trump calls him Ron DeSantis. Uh, he hasn't announced yet. Um, he won a landslide victory in 2022 midterms. Uh, he's broadly planning a presidential run, and his platform is anti-woke. Uh, and his legislative agenda in Florida includes education reform, which is commonly referred to as the Don't Say Gay Bill, where teachers are banned from talking and or teaching about homosexuality in schools. And he's also signed into law a very, very restrictive abortion ban, and is apparently looking at a six-week abortion ban at the moment because... Obviously, the overturning of Roe v. Wade put those rights back to states. So that's the Republican kind of makeup at the moment. Um, Derek, what what do you reckon Trump's chances are? And do you reckon he's got a good shot? So I would say that obviously, yes, Ron DeSantis poses the biggest threat to Trump. Um, And maybe one that is obscured somewhat by some of the polling that we've had. It's been a bit all over the place in terms of some have DeSantis up, some have Trump up. I, you know, I'd say for the most part, the, you do see Trump, at least right now, struggling with a few issues. Uh, one being the, um, the recent midterm elections, uh, where the Republicans did not do as well as many thought that they should yeah. have in the environment. And I think a lot of people put that down to the quality of the candidates that were put forward by the Republican Party. A lot of them who put themselves very much in a, in a kind of pro-Trump light. Um, And we're also dealing with DeSantis, who overall has better favorability ratings than Trump, um, and who doesn't have the name recognition of Trump, but is still polling fairly well. Uh, And so that's maybe a cause for concern for Trump when you mix that with the fact that there seems to be some elites, not of the Republican Party, because we can essentially say the Republican Republican Party is now a Trumpist party. Yeah, so the Senate that. has become much more pro-Trump. The c- congressional representatives have become much more pro-Trump. But when you look at the financers, um, you know, some of the big ones have essentially come out of saying we are interested in a Trump alternative. 
what separates this from years past is that DeSantis has sort of galvanized himself now as that Trump alternative. Before, there was no clear cut who is the alternative. It seems as though we now have that in DeSantis. So you look at some of the early polling success that DeSantis has had without necessarily the same name recognition, and you'd have to assume, okay, well, those polls might get better for him as more people get to know him. The fact that you have some viable you know, the Koch brothers um, and others who are seemingly interested in this type of alternative. And the type of argument DeSantis is putting forward is not necessarily, I'm not Trump. It's, I'm a more sane Trump. And I'm also running further to though. right of Trump on certain issues. No, for sure. Uh, you know, so it's not as though he's posing himself as a moderate alternative to Trump. It is, I'm a more functioning Trump uh, who can also go to the right of him on certain issues. And I think that's sort of how he's going to set himself out. So whether or not you throw Trump out of the water, not necessarily, no. But I think that there is a serious challenge to be had in DeSantis. Now, having said that, DeSantis is not a, he's never run a, a, a national campaign. Uh, and we've seen people who've been successful at the state level go to the national level and implode. Um, but I do think that that is something to watch. Um, and I think when you start to add up all of the potential legal issues that Trump is facing, uh, this is, you know, not to say that it's Trump's to, to take. Yeah, yeah to take that, that there is some serious, serious factors to consider here, in particular with, you know, the potential strength of DeSantis, the potential weakness of Trump. You know, a majority of Republicans don't want Trump to run again. He does have unfavorability uh, in terms of the global pop, uh, uh, national population. So there's a number of, of sort of cons that he's running against. Um, and, and so we're going to have to sort of see, you know, can those anti-Trump elements of the Republican Party manage to coalesce around a viable alternative and how far can they then push that? It's interesting what you said about the running to the right of Trump because I don't know, I think from my perspective, uh, Trump seems as kind of far right wing as you can get. But on that, DeSantis, um, when he was when Trump was president and kind of the pandemic begun, um, DeSantis is now kind of illicitly attacking Trump, saying that you followed the science, you put Fauci in these places, like you, you, you know, you, you did back the vaccine and like also Trump tried to take credit for the success of the vaccine rollout and DeSantis is very anti like well he's not I think he he and his wife are vaccinated but he's very much not saying you should get the vaccine and he's kind of dancing around on these conspiracy theories that you know it's that kind of microchip he's not coming down hard on those issues and I think he's using that as an, one of those issues where he is somehow managing to get further to the right of Trump on this um, kind of bodily autonomy, you are don't have to take the vaccine, which is a position that Trump was trying to take credit for because obviously he was president when um, the kind of COVID pandemic was was hitting. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just interject quickly. And I, you know, the COVID vaccine was certainly a thing, whether or not that's going to be a feature of movement forward. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm not, I, th I think the big ones that he's really pushing for has to do more with his kind of anti-woke yeah. sentimentality and, you know, some of the actual not just rhetoric, but bills that he's put forward behind elements of that in terms of, you know, dealing with Disney um, and sort of, you know, really showcasing of, uh, look, you know, yeah, yeah, I have the rhetoric, but I also can function and put the policies behind it as well, too. And I mean, I think there's two things to that is one is, look, I am a politician who actually has the capabilities to enact some of these things yeah. in a way that maybe Trump hasn't. 
And also, yeah, you know, I sort of fall in line with Trump on a lot of these issues, but when it comes to things like, you know, the cultural issues, I'm even further to the right of yeah, him. Exactly. Um, I mean, to say that you're further right of Trump, in a lot of ways, Trump wasn't that right. Yeah. You know, if, if you look at traditional conservative policies, very wrong. <laughs> yeah, in, in, a, in a lot of traditional conservative policies, he wasn't. I mean, if you look at his sort of whole economic approach in terms yeah. of international trade and everything, you know, the kind of historical institutions of AEI, heritage, those kind of classic think tanks, you know, the Koch brothers and whatnot, those weren't necessarily conservative ideals. And I mean, that's why we can sort of say, look at the party today, look at CPAC recently that just happened. This yeah. is not the Republican Party of the past. This is not the CPAC of the past. That It's a Trump party. It's about Trumpism, which is not necessarily about conservative ideals. It's now about the individual. Yeah, I think he's been described as Trump with a brain quite a lot. And I think that there's something that he does have, which is kind of, he has legislated in Florida. He's passed these bills, which I think are abhorrent, uh, like the don't say gay one where you can't teach um, like any, like they're, they're literally like burning books in Florida and they're taking books out of libraries because they're worried about, like there's a book about two penguins. Uh, there's a story, there's a based on a story that in Brooklyn Zoo, there was two male penguins who um, like, fathered a, a chick together and there was a book based on that which they've taken out of florida schools because that is teaching homosexuality to young people um and like that's the level of kind of authoritarian it's we're not letting you read these things as well you know the, the, the reason they did that is because penguins can't tell each other's gender they, they get so but can they not no <laughs> what Our penguin can you tell it <laughs> exactly. can, can you tell a male and a female penguin apart no but i'm not a penguin neither can a penguin so wow. you know, they incredible. got confused and you know they went well so that's amazing so so but he's got he's got a genuine legislative like successes i guess if you're in that kind of place where you think that's a success that's something that trump doesn't really have when he was president. Trump hasn't banned any books, has he? No, <laughs> not, about not at the moment. He's just trying to ban people with the ability and right to vote at the moment. But I think what's I'm worse, banning <laughs> the voting or banning the penguin? I don't think book. we're going to come <laughs> with them. With I don't it, know, yeah. but the, we'll, we'll do a poll on Instagram. Yeah, we, let us know. But I mean, if you think about it, I mean, DeSantis too. You have to keep in mind he was Harvard Law Review. Like yeah. he's an intelligent individual. Yeah. Uh, whether or not you agree with his positions, but I mean, he's an intelligent individual, and I think him and his wife have been rather savvy. I mean, they've kind of tried to set themselves up as the next Kennedy family. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, they look it as well, too. If you look at them, I, you know, a good looking couple, socialites, you know, affable in, in that sense. Um, and, and so they have sort of, you know, really positioned themselves as the or hopefully for them as the maybe the next face of yeah. the, this iteration of, of the Republican Party. And, and when you kind of take that with the fact that he does have not only legislative, but I mean, Harvard Law Review and all this stuff, I mean, that, that is a formidable no, for character sure. that, yeah. that in many ways Trump is, is not. <laughs> it would, for my career in politics, I am beginning to think that I need to have a book deal. I mean, both Trump and DeSantis, but they seem to just wield them at like any rally. Like, I was seeing pictures of like the Iowa caucus. He's literally just people just wielding, like showing like, him his book. It's like, yes, I know, I wrote a book. That's brilliant. It's fantastic. It's, it's, you know, what can I say? But like, yeah, you know, his book is called The Courage to Be Free as well. I just want to point oh, that that's out. A good book. I mean, having said that, the one thing that Trump has already started to go after him for is all those photos of him with high school girls yes so there's there's <laughs> what i was going to say now is that the, the 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 challenge to so there's 
Donald Trump is a narcissist. I think that's a, probably a, a fact at this point. Uh, he, when they were in 2016, the campaign, he was like, it was kind of famous for his nicknames, uh, Lion Ted and Little Marco for Marco Rubio and uh, Ted for Ted Cruz. Um, so he does not fight fair. And that's always been the way. And I think that's what quite a lot of Americans see, people who vote for him see as an attractive quality in him. He's already going after Ron DeSantis for what you said about the moment. So there was a scandal where he used to kind of mentor people and there's lots of photos with him with um, younger women and there's an accusation there of grooming and um, there's, there's not been much on it. So it's just an accusation, an allegation at the moment. But Trump's going straight in for that level of um, like, you know, they're calling him a groomer basically. And I'm not sure Trump has a leg to stand no, on exactly. about him being <laughs> Friends creepy. with Jeffrey yeah, Epstein. Like, <laughs> so, but it doesn't um, particularly matter no, for exactly. Trump. Yeah, it's, it's just about throwing the mud. Because mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. he's figured at this point, everything's been thrown at me yeah, already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like he, everything was thrown at him and people went, well, you're a bit creepy, you're a bit odd, and what you've said about your daughter is weird. But they still yeah. voted for him to be president. So exactly. it doesn't But that's the anything. thing I think that... DeSantis is going to struggle with because the thing is even though there was a proportion of Republican voters who don't want Trump to be president again they all still like Trump DeSantis has to mark himself as against Trump so there will come a point where he either has to fight back or kind of take it and I think it looks weak if he just takes it which is kind of what he's doing at the moment and there was a when with with these attacks coming out with Trump attacking um, um, him for the, these like photos of him with these young women um, he his defense was I've been busy in Florida basically I've been legislating in Florida and it came across as kind of a weak and feeble like defense of himself and that's the thing I think is going to find quite difficult because if, let's say, DeSantis won the nomination over Trump and he got more delegates and more votes in that in the GOP primary, I do not think Trump is just going to coalesce and be like, you know what, I'll give it to you, you can be president. He's going to try and burn the whole thing down. And I think that there's a, there is a massive challenge for DeSantis here in that he has to take on this massive narcissist who wants the job of president because he wants the, the, the status of it more than he wants to actually do anything. And they're, they're, the primary will not fight fair. And I don't think so far, obviously he's not even in the race yet, but he probably will announce quite soon. Um, he's got to fight back a little bit and be able to take these attacks on. I don't think that's something he can do. And also, side point, I think his voice is really annoying. And I think it's going to get quite great in. Because at the moment, he's, a, he's, a, he's an image and a figure that we've all heard about. He, as a speaker, really whiny, bitchy little voice, in my opinion, on this opinion show. Um, and I don't think he's going to become that popular because he, like, he's not, doesn't, I don't know. In, in that has I've been a critique that his rhetoric skills are not great. That, he's just like... And I don't think he ever like to stand on that. <laughs> <really>. Yeah, <laughs> just thinking like... How dare you? Um, we'll, we'll, we'll move to the Democratic primary so far, or the kind of lack thereof. So there, there's only one current candidate, really. Biden has said he's gonna run there's two times. he hasn't announced who's oh oh there is isn't there Marianne Williamson yeah yeah but Marianne Williamson but there's one <laughs> proper <laughs> candidate <laughs> for president like, no, no, she, she is. I believe her her big one was that you can move hurricanes with your mind or something like that yeah, so. she's a bit loopy. Wow. <laughs> that's some kind of Disney shit right? yes. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> so the, the Biden's obviously current president he hasn't announced but everyone assumes he's running and lots of kind of high-profile Democrats have said they won't run against him. So Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, they said, if he's running, I'm not running. Um, so that, and same with Kamala Harris, obviously, his vice president. Um, the, the kind of big concern that everyone has with Biden is his age. He's currently 80 years old. Um, by the time he goes into a second term, he'll be the oldest president ever, and also then the oldest mm -hmm. to, to kind of end a presidential term. Um, so, and I, like, 
I just want to get everyone's takes on how old, because obviously Trump is also, he's like four years younger. So if Trump became president, he would also become one of the oldest presidents of all time, just after Biden. Um, I personally don't think he should run again, not because I don't think he's been a decent president, but I, I also think that there's an opportunity for a younger, more dynamic. I personally really like Elizabeth Warren, even though she's not actually that much younger than him. Um, because I think that we need a kind of policy shift here. But the one big thing he can claim is that he beat Trump in an election before and he can beat him again. And Joe Biden is quite an unpolarizing figure in that he's quite popular in the way that Hillary Clinton never was. Hillary Clinton was always a bit more divisive. Uh, and Biden is kind of coalesces a lot of people thinking he's a moderate, he's a decent president, he'll get the job done, as opposed to this radical DeSantis Trump uh, attack on, on from the other side but I personally don't think he should run and I don't get too excited about the idea of him running um, but I just wanted everyone else's thoughts on if he's too old and what they think about that yeah I mean I think that that seems to be the the thought in the Democratic Party right now is most Democrats kind of take the exact same position of you is no one dislikes Biden per se for himself um, and they sort of look at some of his legislative success so far, and it's like, yeah. But, I mean, you look at some of the recent issues now uh, around kind of the handling of the, the regulation of the train industry and all the problems there. Uh, the, most recently now with the banks, uh, the bank in California. Morning, I think they've announced, I, mean, I, I saw it this morning, they've announced that even though they said there'd be no drilling on American soil. They've, they've yeah, the, the Alaska thing. In Alaska. Um, and, and so, I, you know, there's enough there that, you know, the left probably isn't too excited about him. Mm. But, I, you know, I think for the most part, it's sort of everyone is like, yeah, he we don't I don't dislike him but I'm nervous that he's mm. going to have some gaffe in a debate and we're going to lose the election because of yeah. that um and and so that seems to be the sentiment within the Democratic Party having said that there's no real alternative no, exactly uh, though and and you know you look at some of the hypothetical polls that have come out against the, the other big names uh, and you know he beats out Kamala he beats out Bernie he beats out Pete mayor Pete uh, and and no one's really going to also take that first step of yeah. then publicly setting themselves out as, yeah, I'm actually going to challenge Biden. And so you're kind of in this weird position right now where you have a figure who is not very, you know, exciting to, to anyone, but at the same time has enough legislative successes so far, you know, the infrastructure investment, you know, some of the climate stuff that he's done. He has a couple uh, executive actions on, on gun control. Uh, so has enough there that he can sort of say, well, I've, I've done things. Uh, I beat Trump yeah. once. And so then it's now kind of, all right, d yeah. do you go with him or not? Um, I think you take, say he doesn't run as a hypothetical, then the question becomes, well, who's, who's the next that, alternative? Point, you yeah. know, it seems as though the Democratic Party, outside of not wanting Biden, just want Joe Biden but 20 years ago. You know, yeah. they want a younger Joe yeah. Biden. And so you talk about someone like Sanders or like Warren. The one, most people say that Joe Biden is, is not too conservative in the Democratic Party. So it's not as though, at least now, we see a whole lot of appetite for a candidate who's going to try to challenge him from the left. Yeah. And so then the question becomes what type of sort of younger Joe Bidens are out there, you know, maybe Newsom from California, but he's from California, you know, uh, you have Gretchen, uh, the, the governor of, um, uh, which one, Michigan, Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. Michigan. 
right? She could maybe do it, but not a whole lot of, of name recognition. Yeah. Uh, the one that people maybe kind of float is Warnick. Uh, oh, Raphael yeah, Georgia, yeah. Black man has won essentially two now national and then, uh, elections in, Georgia in Georgia. Well, yeah. uh, I know, right, that it's a Senate election, but they were so, you yeah, know, yeah, national yeah. spotlight is seen as sort of being down so the middle. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, um, Democrat. Um, and, and so some maybe look at him. But again, no one, none of those... Mm sort of Joe Biden-esque proteges are going to say, I'm running against Joe no, exactly. Biden right and now. And also, I think that there's a, there's a massive stigma against if you're a member of a certain party going against the leader of that party. So in 2012, um, Bernie Sanders uh, like threatened to kind of primary Obama, and that was a massive line of attack in the 2020 primaries in the Democratic field, was like, was Joe Biden attacking Bernie Sanders saying, why did you primary Barack Obama? Because he was a very, very popular president, uh, managed to win a second term and beat Romney by quite a lot. Um, and that, so, like, there's no, if, if Biden chooses to run, it's done. He's the nominee, nominee basically, because I don't think Miriam Williamson's going to get it. Um, yeah. But, so, they are not, but no one's going to try and take him down from a position of, like, from, like, just being a senator, for example, because it just massively destroys their own reputation within their own party. And also, you know, if he, if Biden wins in the, that primary, then it's just kind of like, and they've got to try and work together in the Senate or the House or whatever position they're in. It just makes it harder for them. So there's no real incentive for someone to try and take him down right now, I guess. Well, I, I think, you know, in order to win that, you kind of need one, uh, kind of with Trump, you need there to be one other alternative. And I think yeah. the, the problem is if one person, the minute, you know, let's say Warnick's like, I'm going to go crazy, I'm going to break party discipline, I'm going to go. Well, then everyone else, Newsom and all those are going to say, well, if he's going to do it, I'm going to do it yeah. as well, too. And so suddenly you're now dealing with five alternatives rather than just one. And so I think that's part of this issue as well, too, is that everyone's sort of aware if, if I take the one to burn yeah. that bridge and go first, everyone else is going to follow suit as well, too. And suddenly, this is not a one-on-one -on -one matchup that maybe I, I have some chance of winning. It's, okay, now there's five other alternatives to Biden. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think as of now, if he goes for it, for all intents and purposes, we're dealing with a Biden or a versus Trump or, or DeSantis, most likely, type of, of election scenario. I think I think Trump versus Biden again. I think that's the greatest chance of it being of another Democratic victory. I this don't, is your prediction. It's a hot take. I don't think that Trump Biden will be able to beat DeSantis if DeSantis gets it because I think that he's managed to cultivate this image of kind of competence that we were talking about earlier as opposed to Trump. And I think unfortunately yeah. the ideas of Trump, those kind of radical right wing ideas that got him elected in the first place. DeSantis can harness them and the culture wars in a way that gets people to vote um, in a way that and there's an intelligence there that I don't think Trump has and an ability to get these kind of policies through. And as we said earlier about the establishment, are kind of getting behind a non-Trump candidate. Uh, they're kind of established, like the Koch brothers, big Republican donors are kind of trying to get behind a candidate who's not Trump. And I think that if it's Trump, I'm optimistic about the chances because I think everyone remembers how bad those four years were and how incompetent and how Biden seems so kind of like sensible and reasonable compared to him. Uh, with with um, DeSantis as a potential rival to Biden, I think that that dynamic of the incompetent, crazy person 
uh, versus the sensible one. They both come across sensible, even if you don't like, un- like if you're not digging too far into them. Because I think the way that Trump holds himself and talks about yeah. the tweets, like it's just how yeah, it's mad those four years were. were. So the Santos doesn't do that. He's better media trained. He knows kind of how to come across, how to put himself across. He's crafting an image that Trump could never craft for himself. So I think that that's my worry: is that DeSantis wins it and. Biden runs against him, and then we and get another Republican like president. Too sensible. Exactly, like it, that's what it will come across as. Even though, policies, again, yeah. DeSantis uh, has supports an abortion ban, stopped people teaching about any kind of homosexuality. Just it doesn't let people yeah. talk about it in schools. And there's loads of other policies that he's. And he um, hates penguins. Not a fan of penguins either. Which <laughs> well, is he's a got a book deal. Huge. <laughs> he's got a book deal. He has a book deal. Um, I mean, if having said that, though, right? I think part of the question is what becomes the defining issue of that election. And so on the one hand, you could say if it's cultural issues, DeSantis has a lot to stand on. Look at Biden's most recent budget proposal, though, and it's talking about reducing the deficit by $5 trillion through raising taxes, which is the complete opposite approach of Clinton or Obama, where both of them, you know, Clinton introduces tax cuts, Obama essentially makes permanent the Bush era tax cuts. This is a complete opposite approach And so if you're able to begin to make the debate more about the economy and kind of taxation, I think with the recent run on the bank in California and concern about the tech industry and, you know, a lot of people linking it back to the deregulation of banks in 2018, and certainly the economy is still everyone's number one concern, can you maybe begin to change the narrative of what the election is about, what's actually at stake? It's more about the economy than cultural issues. I, I think that's a hard pivot to make right now, yeah. but I do think there's, there's a potential there. I think maybe that's what Biden's looking to do a little bit with this budget proposals to begin to set himself up for that, yeah. that 2024 election cycle, maybe begin to set the narrative a little bit about what it's gonna be, that this is not about woke ideology and anti-woke ideology, that this is more about the nuts and bolts of the economy and, and the need to essentially rectify what you know, many would see as, as an unfair economic environment in America right exactly. now. Exactly, I think that that's, that's kind of, that's been Biden's defining issue. That's what he's tried to make his defining issue. Um, so, like, you know, obviously, as we said, he's been a really effective legislative president. He's passed quite a lot of acts despite having um, quite a split. Like, he had the House for the first couple of years. He's lost the House now, but he has an increased majority in the Senate. He's managed to pass the um, Inflation Reduction Act. He's managed to pass this massive infrastructure bill quite early into his term. Like, he's doing quite a lot in a way that he shouldn't really be able to do. And it's been quite in- amazing how successful he's been as le- legislatively as a president and I think that that's going to be his message but the problem is that I don't think those obviously we're using this as a platform to kind of spread those messages but um, those messages aren't as easy to sell as the culture was which is why the Republicans keep leaning into them because it's much much easier to just start attacking certain groups and having a fight about pronouns than it is to explain uh, yeah. like economic policy yeah, it's easier <laughs> to have an opinion on abortion than it is like inflation and exactly rates. and that's that's what they're going to try and do because if you think about it 
Well, they're actually name fusing it? them together as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. So essentially, the Democrats came out and said the problem with the bank was the 2018 deregulation. Donald Trump Jr. said that it was because the bank was investing in woke ideology. Yes, this is... This this is uh, so already you're beginning so to see a fusing try, of those... If you try and talk about economics, they're like... They bring it back. Yeah. Exactly. It back. <laughs> so exactly, that's, that's exactly... So there's, there was this run on this bank in California, which which is broken down. I think it's one of the largest banks in the, in the US. It's the second biggest bank second biggest in American bank. history. Yeah, like exactly. a, Somewhat equivalent to the 2018. 2008 financial crisis. Yeah. And they're blaming DeSantis and um, Donald Trump Jr. They're blaming um, woke ideology, the bank investing in woke ideology and having like a diversified board of directors as the reason that it crashed, not because there was a bank run. Uh, and it's like they're even, and that's, that's the point, isn't it? They're trying to make these economic issues, cultural issues, and that's, what that, that's, their, that's their way of getting elected because they don't actually have any policy legs to stand on. Uh, so they, they try to make these controversies, these cultural wars to, to kind of get them elected. I really like the idea of policy legs. <laughs> you just said policy legs to policy stand legs. It's just It's just funny. <laughs> I don't know what policy leg looks like. I think what uh, what also becomes clear pretty much every election cycle is is just the complete not non-player of, of, of women, I, I, I guess. It's just like, so, so to start with, there are depressingly few uh, female governors. I think historically there's only been about 50. Um, and that's usually where you get your pool of um, presidential candidates from, or, or from from the Senate as well, which there are also very not a, not a lot of. Um, and I think with this this culture war stuff, I, I'm not saying that introducing a, um, or certainly we've got uh, Nikki Haley as well. Um, I'm not saying that introducing women into the conversation would necessarily make it more rational. Um, uh, for the listeners uh, watching, I did use quite heavy uh, quotation marks there. <laughs> <laughs> the bunny ears came out in full um, force. <laughs> but it, it's certainly interesting when talking about all this and so, talking about who's who's the most kind of normal candidate, and it comes up as some old bloke, um, <laughs> which realistically the Democrats are going to run with because yeah. we're, they've got such a slim um, majority in that in the Senate at the moment, not necessarily the House, but they, they did. Um, is you want the least offensive person? And for some reason, to everyone, that's that's old Joe. Old Joe, I yeah, love, exactly. love the guy. Well, I mean, so I think two things is that I think there's still, regardless as, as to whether or not it's true, and actually Anna Weeks in our department has done research on, on the role of women and how people think they're unelectable and people hate women. That's, that's <laughs> actually align with reality, but there does seem to be this like hangover of Hillary Clinton in the yeah. Democratic Party where people still associate women with unelectability and that, you know, people will naturally dislike a, a woman candidate or whatnot. I think the other thing is, okay, you look at who's a viable female candidate right now in the Democratic Party, right? It's Gretchen Whitmore, uh, uh, who probably would not place herself against right. Biden in an open field, and her name recognition isn't great. The only other one is Stacey Abrams, who kind of has Stacey the Beto O'Rourke problem of yeah. everyone loves him, great speaker, <laughs> Can't win an cannot win an election. <laughs> and, you so know. Stacey Abrams was, uh, she ran as governor for Florida in 2016 and 2020. Hello, editor Adam is here. He's, he's returned. Um, I said Florida. Stacey Abrams ran for governor and senator for Georgia, not for Florida. So it's Georgia we're talking about. And she also ran for Senate. No, she ran for Senate this year. Was it Senate? Yeah, and I, I mean, she was massive in terms She's of very you know, bringing the, uh, really creating a base that Warnock was able exactly. to so use. Exactly. So she's one of the reasons that, that we, like, 
the Democrats won Georgia, um, but she herself has not managed to win any elections. <laughs> and it's, it's like the Beto O'Rourke factor who's a, who's a Republican, sorry, a Democrat from Texas who ran for Senate, then ran for governor, very, very popular, ran for president uh, in 20, um, 2020 against Joe Biden. Um, as a Democrats candidate, obviously didn't win, um, but he's extraordinarily popular. And like, in the Democratic Party, you can do like speaking tours, wrote a book, like Tom with his book deals. Um, but he also has not managed to win an election in these states, even though he helps other candidates win their elections. Like Texas is is slowly becoming a more democratic place. Well, and the idea is it's that they're running in very com- hard to win areas, yeah. uh, and, and it's they get so close against all these seeming odds, but they can't quite finish it off. And so that's why people see them compelling as well, too, is that they seem to do better than they should no, in these areas, but they're still not also no, winning. It's just not going to get over the line, exactly. Um, we'll zoom out very, very quickly. Uh, so that obviously we've had, we've had two years of, of Biden's term now, and we had four years of Trump before it. Obviously, Derek, as an international relations scholar, you, you provide a perspective scholar, to sorry. academic <laughs> scholar. You provide a perspective that we cannot provide as undergraduates. Um, so what kind of, if you could say the differences between the way the world views America now versus the way the world viewed America at Trump's presidency and also the potential for another Trump presidency. What does that say about America? And also, obviously, a DeSantis presidency. Obviously, like, it's quite a big topic. Yeah. But. yeah, I mean, so obviously, I think there's, there's an improved image of America, but I think there is a still reluctance of America in terms of you can see almost like bipolar disorder, mm. the, the rapid changes that can occur in Americans' foreign policy. And so I think that, okay, yes, certainly Trump is gone, Biden's back in, and you kind of have a go, a return to, you know, international norms, international rule of law, international institutions, multilateralism, yeah. all of those kind of bread and butter things of, of American foreign policy. Um, but I think there is a, a hesitancy or a recognition of that. Yeah, we're to that right now. But what does happen if we get a Trump again or, or a DeSantis again? Um, and I think that's, you know, there's a recognition, for example, in Europe of the need to now beginning to create, you know, more of an independent European security force, beginning to set yourself yeah, up to operate from, somewhat yeah. independently of America in case those swings happen again. And so I think that's kind of some of the lasting damage of the Trump presidency is is kind of a a disruption of, of the dependability of America. Um, and if you can't depend on an ally, then you need to begin to put in contingency plans for that. So I, th- I think that's that's one thing. I mean, certainly, the, having said that, you, you do see a, a market shift in, in you know, Particularly with America's uh, uh, role in Ukraine, um, you know, a recognition of Europe that they, they still are very much dependent upon America, that America is still a, a very important ally. Um, you know, I think Biden has tried to put together an alliance of democracies, for lack of a better word, in sort of setting them up against this kind of growing quasi-authoritarian access of Russia and China. Um, and, you know, throw into the mix with that Iran and the Saudis that seemingly are, are moving in that direction as well, too. Um, and, and so that seems to be maybe where we're seeing on an international level this growing uh, division 
bet between a, a group of states. And, and so I think, you know, the Biden administration has done a lot to maybe try to reinforce and coalesce uh, a group of states that maybe are more prone to stand together now against against China. And, you know, we did see a lot of changes in in the, the Biden administration in terms of foreign policy, but, you know, in terms of maybe some of the big ones, we saw a lot of continuity exactly. in terms of... One of the big issues was kind of like the border arrangements, uh, for example, they haven't really changed. In fact, there's a Title 42, which is a kind of a Trump-era policy that stopped, that allowed... Like it's kind of similar to what we're trying to do now in the UK, which is just kind of removing people without even listening to their asylum claims. Um, and Biden just kept it going. He's, uh, they haven't removed it, even though COVID, the pandemic's obviously wound down. And uh, Biden, you'd, you'd hope, would have a more kind of compassionate foreign policy towards people trying to, you know, refugees trying to cross the border um, between Mexico and the US. Uh, he just kept that policy going. And, he, you know, he went to Saudi Arabia, he gave a fist bump to Mohammed bin Salman, the um, crown prince of Saudi Arabia, even though that man ordered the execution and dismembering of a Washington Post journalist like the way that like unfortunately I think the Biden foreign policy hasn't deviated much from the Trump one and it's like there's there's certainly more consistency and one of the key areas I think that you can see the kind of like the bipolar thing you were talking about even within one presidency was was North Korea and how Trump started off by going little rocket man and then they were getting love letters to each other and how the the kind of stability of Biden has allowed that the international community to kind of get know exactly what's going on now uh, in that particular relationship with with North Korea, um, and how I think a, another Trump presidency would would throw that in, back into balance again because we don't know. And if, for the example of Ukraine, we if Biden was uh, Trump was president, we don't know because at the, at the time he was very anti the war, kind of didn't really like to criticize Putin when as president, but like he wasn't wasn't pro the war and he was saying, Vlad, don't do this. I would make him stop it. Um, but the Republican rhetoric now is kind of shifting to be a little bit more pro-Putin because I think that, that Putin represents quite a lot of the kind of Republican ideology they want to espouse a little bit. So we don't know where the international community in response would be in the in the Ukraine invasion uh, if if Trump was president now um, as opposed to Biden being president. Yeah, so I think... This is where you still see divi interesting divides in the Republican Party and that kind of the old rearguard establishment Republican Party is very much in support of Ukraine and military aid to Ukraine. DeSantis most recently came out essentially saying Ukraine's not in America's national security interest. I don't think that we should be expending all of this resources to support them. Uh, breaking a little bit actually with Trump. I think Trump has kind of put himself in terms of a, you know, I would still be supporting Ukraine. Um, and and so I think there, there has been talk about some segments of the Republican Party essentially saying, you know, the idea that Ukraine just gets a, a, a free checkbook, as it were, has been called into question, whereas, you know, sort of the Democrats and then the, the rear guard Republican Party have been much more kind of staunch. This is, you know, vital to America because of a multitude of reasons. Um, and, and so we are going to continue to support them. Um, and, and again, I mean, I think part of that goes back to things like, you know, the, the essentially wanting to protect and uphold a certain set of values or norms in in the international sphere is something that they support that maybe this new contingent of the Republican Party don't necessarily see because, uh, you know, 
not necessarily that they're pro-Putin, but certainly, A, they don't think that you should be spending money on it, and B, yeah, they, they do resonate a little bit with some, some of the stances of, of Putin as well, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's maybe one thing to keep in mind. And, you know, more generally, I, having said that, you know, look at the, the kind of Republican Party overall and Democratic Party overall, although they're all pretty much anti-China. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and so I think, you know, where you'd probably see DeSantis still take a harder line is probably in terms of China, probably in terms of East Asia. And, you know, I think that's probably where there's more unanimity within American foreign policy thinking is, is that's something that we should be investing in. That's something that we need to be dealing with. I think Ukraine is maybe, for the most part, still fairly pro-Ukrainian with some segments of the Republican Party saying, well, I don't think we should be spending that much money on it, if at all, sort of leave this to the Europeans to deal with now. Um, and so I think that's maybe where you see some of those, yeah. those fissures emerging. Fantastic. Um, well, brilliant. Thank you for coming in today, Derek. We're gonna, when we come back, we're going to play a little game that yeah. my mum has made for us. <laughs> so shout out to Ange. Um, so we'll be back in a second. Cheers, Angie. Hello, welcome back to Nicole. Before we get to the game with Derek and Emily and Tom and myself, um, Tom, Tom's got wants a book deal and he's going to pitch it I to us. I want a book deal. Right uh, so it, it's it's come to my attention that to be again successful in politics, as as mentioned uh, earlier on, uh, y- you need a book deal essentially, and and I'd, I'd like like scores of people to come up to me and get me to sign their book. Um, so I, I I'm here to pitch one. I haven't Go quite on. got a title for it yet, but I think it needs to include the words freedom. <laughs> Uh, path. I mean, uh, is that just Man- Nelson Mandela? Um, Freedom Path. So, so, yeah. I think you've got quite a good surname for low. Uh, like you could do like the when, lowdown. When they go low, when they go low, we go Freedom Path. We go Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. That's the pitch. We, yeah, that's the pitch. Um, don't I don't actually say much in the, but I, I say yeah when I was in Iraq or something, and not because I was I was there for the war or something. I just kind of went on holiday to Iraq once. Um, and that therefore, makes me professional <laughs> on, on on all things. What's wrong with like Mallorca? Why are you going to Iraq? <laughs> so so like great and talented. Iraq's like the you know the buzzword as well. I mm. mentioned Iraq and everyone's like ah Iraq. Iraq. Yeah, we know Iraq. Iraq. Mm. Yeah, that no. place. So I'll, I'll I'll mention that. I, I need to get like a really uh, for, like studio quality, but also just shit picture of me mm. in a suit. I know. We can just, do that now. Which is somehow fuzzy, yeah. but also if we'll just put it on the on the all the promos for this episode. Great idea. I, yeah. Like I'll do the thinking man pose. That's an excellent idea. Yes. About the author That's with excellent. Uh, excellent. Yeah. So. If anyone wants to pick up a book deal, obviously I would have wrote none of it and I'll just get a ghostwriter. Just Isabella yeah. Oakshot will just write 18 hours worth yeah. of book for you. Yeah, exactly. Start texting her and she'll delete and she'll just undelete she'll just, the she'll WhatsApp. Just go for it. Use really large font as yeah, well, yeah, so yeah. I don't have Perfect. to actually yeah. say that much. Well, yeah. um, Simon and Schuster, if you're listening, Penguin, if you're listening, hit, hit, hit Tom up. He, yeah. He's got a book ready to I've write. I've got a book deal. Like, I, I gave a book review, now I'm giving book deals. Exactly. Okay. Um, Welcome back to Any Politics. This is the section everyone has been waiting for. Dun, dun, dun. It is the game. Okay. Um, so this week, I 
I got the most delightful email from Angela, Adam's mum. And um, <laughs> when, <laughs> she gets a shout out every week, every Love section. You, also, Callum, you wanted a shout out. Hello, Callum. Oh, Callum. yeah, my sister as well. Everyone just gets a shout Everyone. out. <laughs> anyone, anyone else? Uh, want a uh, out? Right, yeah, no. Um, the Pope, you know, <laughs> it needs a bit of a shout out at the moment. You know, sort of, uh, uh, Angela Merkel, we're still thinking about you. <laughs> Top two Angelas, I think. Yeah, I think. Adam <laughs> and Angela Angela Merkel. Right, excellent. Okay. Okay. Shout out, Derek. Oh, you know, Kim Jong Un. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the classic. Uh, Rocket Man. In case he's listening, <laughs> I'm still he's watching you. Fan. He definitely is. <laughs> With the 17 viewers, yeah. <laughs> hey, Kim. We had 57 <laughs> on the last episode, thank you. Okay, so um, I don't know where to go from there. Right, I got sent a game, and it is. I'm going to give you the quote and then you've got to tell me which of the three options is the correct fantastic and if someone gets it wrong back. we can steal right from someone else yes perfect so how many rounds are there there are seven wow mum well done okay, <laughs> thanks no, mum so maybe we'll do two each and then we can have a if we have a winner yeah perfect cool. okay oh, we prepared this in advance um right number one adam the best thing about earth is if you poke holes in it, blank comes out. These are the options. Oil and gas, gold, or minerals. It's got to be oil and gas. It's American. Ding, 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 ding. Yay. Yeah, that was former representative for Texas, Steve Stockman. Wow, that's a good quote. I'm going to get that on mine. If you poke holes in the earth, oil and gas comes out. That's the best out. thing about it. Okay, Derek, you ready? Let's do it. I think blank is a bigger problem than guns because they hurt people. The options are hammers, homeless people, or video games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go video games because I feel like that's ding, one ding, of the classic yeah. arguments. Yeah. Yeah. I think hammers is very funny. <laughs> hammers are a bigger problem than guns. That was Senator Lamar Alexander of Tennessee saying video games. More dangerous. Uh, a classic handoff, isn't it? When yeah. we we have an issue, which we very much know the answer to, but yeah, video games. It's video games, everyone. Okay, Tom. Yep. Democrats who move to GOP states shouldn't be able to blank for five years. Easy options: drive, vote, or move again. Oh, it's about Democrats, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no. So, like, the obvious one is vote, but I think. Someone's going to be crazy enough to say drive. No. I'm going to go with move again. <laughs> you went through all the options and you got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's vote. Of course it was vote. vote. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Of course. They're like trying to disenfranchise people. Right, yeah. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, representative for Georgia, said the, that. The wonderful MTG. Okay, so... Right, so it's... Uh, I say that the, the wonderful MTG was ironic. I don't think she's wonderful. Yeah, no, that's okay. Don't you worry. In that don't case, it's the wonder, wonderful Adam up next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Adam and Derek have one. Tom, you have nothing. Nothing. Uh, okay, Adam, are you ready? Yes. Okay, under Republicans, not another penny will go to blank. Our country comes first. Oh, okay. Easy options: the police, Ukraine, or the FBI. Now. It's not the police because it's Republicans. I reckon it will be. It's. I, I would think Ukraine, but I think it's the FBI because the FBI are currently investigating Donald Trump. But it could be Ukraine. But I think it's FBI. I'm going FBI. You're wrong. Oh, it's Ukraine. It's Ukraine. That was that was Marjorie Taylor Greene oh, again. Oh, back. She's back. 
again. So okay, what we're we talking go. about the divisions of yeah. the party. <laughs> Damn, okay, you better get this wrong. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, are you ready? Um, to win the game. This is the quote. I, uh, I look to my left and there she is, Ilan Omar, and I said, well, she doesn't have a blank, we should be fine. That's a Marjorie Taylor Greene quote. I know, Lauren Boebert. Yes, Lauren Boebert. that's correct. You don't get an extra point. I know, but I know who it is. Quote. I know who it is. Um, okay, these are the options. Microphone, friend with her, or backpack. Uh, Ilan Omar, by the way, is a Muslim. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go yes, backpack. Part of it. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, damn it. Uh, <laughs> Right. Our America expert has won the game. That's <laughs> 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 I mean, so how it should work. Yeah, I mean, if he hadn't, then. Okay. <laughs> Is there any point asking Tom? Yeah. Okay. Oh, point. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Tom. To. I mean, you could come joint last, I suppose. Second. We'll call it second. <laughs> joint last. Um, okay. Planned Parenthood has been far more lethal to black lives than blank ever were. Oh. These are your options. The police, COVID-19, or the KKK? The KKK. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was E.W. Jackson. So. How many, how many more questions are there? Is there one more question? There's one more. There's, this is the tiebreaker. Okay. Just want to so, see if Derek can get it. <laughs> I mean, we could make this worth like 10 points. Is everyone all right with that? Winner takes all. Go for it. Okay, Go let's on. do it. Winner takes all. First okay. person to say it. Right. Yeah. Okay, so here's the quote. I'm the first woman to lead my state, and he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob who can't even tell you what a blank is. is oh, do you want to try and guess, or should I give you the options? I think it's Carrie Lake from Arizona. No. That's a bit embarrassing. That is embarrassing. Okay, these are the options. She didn't win. I know. It's a good point, actually. Yeah, pipe down, Adam. These are the options. So, um, a woman... An insurrection or global warming? Can I have the quote again? Insurrection. Okay, I'll, I'll just read the quote again. I'm, I'm throwing it out there already. straight in. Okay, I'm the first woman to leave my state, and he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob who can't even tell you what a blank is. Okay. Oh, it's woman. It's oh, woman. Actually, yeah. It's yeah. woman. It's woman. Stuff. It's the yeah. culture yeah. war of, 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 of the transgender yeah. culture war. Yeah, it is a woman. That was <laughs> Sarah Huxley Sanders. Sarah Huxley Sanders. Um, so I don't know... I think Derek, you win that. <laughs> sure, I just don't want Adam to win. Unbelievable. But also, I think you got the most right anyway. So yeah, you, yeah. I, I'll give you the win for that. There I want to point out, I did get Bo Bear. I knew her name okay. from the quote. But yeah. A gracious host, as always. <laughs> um, that's this week's show. Thank you for listening. Um, bye. Thank you very much, Derek, for coming in today. And for, for yeah, you're welcome anytime. Always happy to chat. Please let come me know if you uh, need my accent again to we give you credibility. <laughs> I'm, sure joke. We will. I'm <laughs> gonna try and get it on as much as I can. <laughs> I love American politics, but yeah, thank you for coming. Thank you, Emily. Oh, I never get thanked. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> no worries. Oh, and thank you, Angie. Thanks, thanks, Yeah, thanks, Mum. Yeah, thank you for the game. That Brilliant together. stuff. Yeah. We so welcome games we will from see anyone, really. Anyway, if you want to have a game, just send it if to us. <laughs> Scrabble, Monopoly. <laughs> that it. would be ideal, actually. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, and we will uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Any Politics. There, they're getting longer and longer. I'm sorry about that, but hopefully you enjoyed the discussion with 
with an actual professor today. Um, A&E Politics is hosted by Adam Wright and Emily Gray, and today's guests were Dr. Derek Bolton and Tom Lowe. Uh, A&E Politics is um, produced by Adam Wright, and A&E Politics is University Radio Bath production.